Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Truth Hurts. Today, we're going to talk about white rage and um, what is it and why it can never become a national conversation. So, guys, this is going to be real quick. It's going to be maybe under 10 minutes, but I'm just going to run off some things that you probably won't hear about in major society. So they won't talk about white rage. Why do we have white people from seemingly decent backgrounds with even remote amount of education or money that do hate crimes? Why are you going out with the intent of hurting people? Why are you terrorists? Why do you try to terrorize everybody? Why is your mind fear-based? Why do you commit suicide at rates of four times that of anybody else, excuse me, of, of black people? In America, I'm gonna say that, that about three, four times, white Americans commit suicide at a rate of four times that of black Americans. I'm gonna say it again, white Americans commit suicide, check out of life, give up all hope and leave the earth voluntarily at a rate of four times that of black people. Let's just stop there for a second and let's 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 expand on that. All right. The scariest part of white mind of the white mind to me is that it's it's that I believe that these people are so if I hate calling them people, these people are so sick and depraved and demonic that they would literally blow up the whole world if they could now fortunately there's something bigger than all of us and god <laughs> has planned like you even the, the biggest atomic weapon bro trust me you do it you'll never get rid of everything that you can have these people lie to you you can throw a bunch of this they will never work because there's a force bigger than all of us but they would attempt that and just like what you're going to see what you're seeing now you're going to see the rate one or two months of this pressure and you see white people already going back to a couple men have been hung trying to impose fear and just showing how depraved you are you're not putting fear in anybody you're just creating you know you're bringing your demise just quicker to yourself and you're going to get some of your innocent people hurt but what it just shows who they are a, a two months of pressure my father um, came from Ghana, had a PhD, dealt with all the racism, never did a hate crime, never did any of this savagery, and, and put up with it for 75 years. Three, four weeks, two months of a little pressure, and then white rage, it starts to bubble up. The white anger starts to bubble up. It really starts to bubble up, and they can't contain it because their little piece, their little piece is disturbed, right? The same reason they'll lose a job or something and have a little trouble and kill themselves like what the fucking rationale is that get your life back together bro anybody can come back from struggle so that's a very important part and it's something that you just won't hear about on the national stage i never forget when they used to have black in america and then they did latino in america cnn and i was like why do you like first of all don't put it like we're some fucking uh uh immigrant the fuck out of here like like we're a guest why don't we do white in america <laughs> So we can understand their minds because it's not only about accusing it's about what is up going on in the mind what is going on in the mind the mind of uh these people because clearly they do some acts that are unexplainable you know you cannot tell me uh like here's the thing you can tell me whatever you want but ultimately you have to find matching actions so that's why I say find act, find whites and blacks from same demographics that do things. Find black people that are well-to-do and educated that do these type of things. It just doesn't happen. The things that, that white people always reference are the most oppressed black people. I said this every almost every podcast. Like like a cop, a public servant kills a man, right? And they'll compare that, oh, somebody shot somebody in Chicago. You have to compare it to a gang member killing a gang member. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, I don't compare, like, some white biker gang or some white gangster in jail, some Nazi or whatever, killing another white man. That's that's not what I'm talking about. Now, if a black cop killed a white man, like a regular teacher or some shit, I'll be like, yeah, right, This we, that's fucked up. But that doesn't happen. It never happens. And why it doesn't happen? 
we have black cops all over the world, excuse me, all over America now, right? They work in big cities. They, they, they can encounter uh, white people. You think they can't ever pull them over on a dark street? Why doesn't it happen? And it's more than just uh, the structure that, 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 that doesn't allow that or in terms of like you won't be backed up. It's deeper than that because if your hate is that big, you're not going to really care about those things. They would find you would see more cases of it. It doesn't happen because it's not in our spirit. It's in your guys' spirit to murder and, and and kill. Like I've said it last podcast, these people, until you really study them, you'll see that it's a history. <laughs> it's a deep history of a sadistic murder, child molestation, a bunch of sick things that you'll see come into light a little bit now. But this is who a lot of them are. Bestiality. It's their thing. So this fragile mind. And what I mean, we all have some fragility in our minds. Our mind is just this complex thing that can trick you at any time. But the the fragility in terms of pressure and then explosions, right, uh, coming from these good backgrounds. And what I mean by good, but just having the basics, like, you know, the, the blacks that I know that do these things usually had one parent, no food, drugs, just this whole plethora of just horrible shit. And then they do bad shit. You know, and not to mention, you have some blacks who come from good uh, homes and are um, kind of caught up in the, the societal image of black people and get dragged down. But generally speaking, that's what it is. And, and that those crimes are not race related. Most of these crimes are just internal crimes looking for money or things of that nature. You don't see many hate crimes. Uh, against white people what you will see uh, sometimes in times like this just a couple of rage crimes like the uh, Reginald Denny I think his name was just an ultimate frustration and it's like at that point one or two people will just do something stupid but look at what black people have to be driven to in order to even do that so without let me digress and get back to the white fragility of the mind their suicide rates and just some of their acts we do not have people who uh, do these uh, serial, these, like, excuse me, these mass shootings, right? All these mass shootings that white people love to do. And, and t- t- I'm telling you, more are coming. They're going to come and try to slaughter more people because all they know is murder. This is who they are. And why they refuse to kind of identify that gene and either erase it or, like, subdue it, it tells you a lot about the white race. Um, and that's why I encourage people to really study them, and you'll see who they are why do they refuse to address this part of the gene that makes you go inside of a church right once again the cops didn't kill black cops don't kill white people so why don't we go into churches and just shoot you we can get into your churches we can get a gun in why has it never happened because you're the demon we're not i can do it tomorrow you can do it tomorrow nobody has the intent nobody has the drive to do such a heinous thing i would never go inside of a place of worship and murder people. That's what a white man, he just did it a few years ago, Dylan Roof. Went in there, prayed with them and shot nine people dead, man. And then it's just move on. We don't talk about it. We don't address that. Like, that's just some normal thing. That's a fucking, that's like, that's, that's a, that is like beyond, talk about subhuman. And whites love to call people subhuman. The, the least human of all people, the people that are allergic to the sun, the people that have like the weakest fucking genetic recessive gene want to talk about humanity. Unbelievable. But something like that happens. And the important part is that we don't dig into it. And this is 
what I talk about white rage. The, the rage to not only do something like that, but then the rage for anybody to have the audacity to question, bro, what's going on in your mind that you would not only have this thought, right? Because we all can have some shitty thoughts, but that you would have the thought, plan the action and have the capacity to go and follow through with such a heinous action. What makes a guy lose a video game contest and shoot up a bunch of people? What makes a guy go into a movie theater or a school and just shoot a bunch of people? But these things happen every couple of months, right? And then but we, what we, we've never seen a sit down. We've never seen a national summit where we can start to address what's going on in their minds. Like what's going on in your mind that you do these types of things? with no provocation. So part of, I believe, part of the unwritten code of America is to not question the white mind and not to question white rage, even though it shows itself. Now, a lot of people may think white rage is uh, directed towards those who are on the fringe of society. But one thing I always tell people, I said, if you want to meet the most angry black person or probably a person who's maybe become the most racist, go find your most enterprising, successful black person. And the stories that they have for you will, will, will trump anything a poor man or not a, a poor man in terms of wealth, because he might just have ended up poor. But uh, a poor man who has never had experience, might have just worked regular jobs, never really had too much ambition. The most a- ambitious of blacks have faced the most vicious of racism. Because if you were successful your whole life, you've probably had nice things. Those nice things have brought a jealousy, not only from your own people, which is a normal jealousy. You've seen an interracial type of jealousy in terms of like, uh, especially with police, like how did you get this? And uh, so angry with you for accomplishing things and uh, enterprising yourself. So those people will tell you some of the most vicious stories. And like I've said before, um, if this was just exclusive to those, uh, to the people on the fringe, right, of society, I would still be upset with it. But I would say, all right, you know, who wants people living shitty and, and making life shitty, right? Um, we want people to uh, do the right thing, right? But then how do you explain a, a college professor who becomes um, the president of a school and then somebody leaves a noose in her locker, right? Like, what's, you know, why did you do that? Like, this person went, has six degrees, went, got education, is doing the right thing, and I think that actually happened at Columbia University not too long ago. It's about 10 years. So it, it, what I'm saying is that the, the rage is not exclusive to those on the fringe of society. And it's actually more directed at black progress, black enterprises, black determination. Right. And, when, and as you have this, you'll know I, um, the, the, the experience of the black ambitious man or woman is a very telling story that one day will be told in detail in America and me myself i know of it because of my parents um they were extremely educated Uh, my father had a phd my mother had a master's degree but my father always had enterprising um ambitions and he that's why he was all here and he was determined for education like that's what he was taught in ghana and he went to oxford he came to america he went to city college got another excuse me a phd and he was just he did the man as i when, when my mother passed away and I went through a lot of the documents, I found so much stuff um, 
all his degrees just man would just go get certificate after certificate after certificate and he was always trying to do things he got some interesting opportunities over the years but he had all he always had this frustration that i never understood until i got older and the frustration was he was like he he, he wanted the, the top spot and where our lives mirrored each other is that he would go and he would just try to prove how dominant he was, right? Because he wanted, he just wanted his chance. He didn't want to hurt white people. He just wanted to be, he wanted to get his family where he's supposed to get his family. And like I said, he'd have his 17 degrees, extremely uh, more qualified, but he would go into these jobs. He, he was, you know, probably in his fifties at that time. And he would, they would always make him the assistant. And anybody who knows management, you know that the assistant or the deputy, that's usually the real boss. That's usually the guy or the girl who does all of the work and just gets doesn't get the credit. The person in charge, a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time, they just are better politically, uh, just know how to play the game, or are there for a reason, or they're just docile, and they are more in line, but they got a hard worker right under them. So my father would, would, would have to deal with that. And, and when he was there, they would it would always be like a white guy, 30 years old, regular bachelors for some shitty university or college. And it would infuriate him. And at the time I was young, I didn't understand. I'm like, bro, they still gave you $80,000, company car. Like, why, why do you need, I didn't understand it at eight years old. Why do you need to be the, su- the, 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 the supervisor or the director? That's what it was. They would always make him assistant director. He wanted to direct the whole facility. The man went and got every single accreditation that you could get to direct the facility. And I, I don't think he ever got that chance. And he would drink and he would just sometimes, then he would eventually spaz out on these people. <laughs> he would just tell them off one day and he would lose his job. Or, and then he would go, he had, he had enough degrees to always get another opportunity. But this eventually drove my father crazy. And the, the older I get, the more sympathy and understanding that I actually have for him because I was very angry with him uh, for many things. But the more I see what he was up against and the more I see how he played the game and actually won the game to T, I understand it. And then that experience was mirrored by me with my young 20s when I was always a fast track with fast track. But then it was like, even after I would out test everybody, like ridiculously, it would have been like, yeah, you're going to be the assistant. And I've told this story before, uh, but I think of all of the times this happened to me, uh, this was probably the best one. And this was after, when my mother was sick at about 31 years old, um, you know, I had left my job already and I was pretty much, uh, tr- uh, I went and got a CTA license, I passed the series three and I had this little investment club. So I was just trying to learn and master trading at that time. And when my mother got sick, I said, I need to go back to work. So I went and I wanted to do something um, you know, that I did before, but that I could still have some some control. So I said, all right, I did this this uh, management retail thing before. This is probably simple enough. And I went to get a job. And long story short, I went in and from the beginning, I went, I took, I did the same thing. I took the test. They said I was the best guy to ever come through. They wanted to make me this or that, but they wanted to put me under some idiot. And I'm not going to get into the whole story because it's not that relevant. But long story short, I, there was just no way I could get around it. And it was like, just be this helper until you go crazy and it was like hmm and then I realized something it was the same thing that happened at the other jobs and the only difference between me and my father is that I gave up and I didn't give up on life I just gave up on ever asking anybody for anything anymore I just it just clicked in my head like you know what there's probably something else going on here it's probably some sort of systematic thing where not 
my type of black person doesn't get to that role because even the blacks that I would always see, they were always docile. A lot of them were good brothers, but they were always very meek, very docile and quiet. And they just would go with the flow. They would stand for nothing. They would address nobody, confront nobody. And I said, this is the, 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 the clear difference in me. When I left that job, I have a great story. Um, and it stemmed from, uh, you know, me working with a borderline retarded person. She was a female. And I, this is the person when I first went to that place, the store, uh, the whole back room full of products was like, it looked like a, a junkyard. And I remember, like, I quit the first day. I was like, I'm not fucking doing this. Thing. I'm only 31. I'm like, fucking, like, no, I'm not going to do this for somebody else. Like, why did they just try to keep taking this black man to just help everybody? Because that you just to help somebody else look good. I was like, no, give me this store and I'll fix this. But another black man who had hired me or was training me, cool guy, but still meek and docile. Just kind of just get what you can out of these people. He told me just to stay, stick in there. And I stuck in there, fixed the store up. And after a couple of months, I was like, all right, what's up? And I kept asking for, cause I, I, at that point, just so you guys know the background, I, I came in on the first day of interview and, and everything I'm telling you guys, I told them, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm here for this. And if you don't, I'm gonna leave. Like I'm not, I don't need this, but I want to do this. And I guess that's another thing that people can't, when you're black, people don't hear you. They probably think I'm desperate or I need some job. They don't understand the depth of what's in my mind and the gifts that I have. They don't know the family I come from. I've never really needed to do anything, to be honest with you. But people can't fathom that. So even though I'm saying that if you don't give me the opportunity once I pass your metrics and thresholds, I'm going to leave, in their mind, they think I'm just trying to push for more. And they feel they can probably beat that out of me and keep me in a position of just helping this be this, right? So long story short, I went after a couple of months, spoke to the guys like, why do you have me working with this person? This I, I detailed all the reasons why I'm like absolutely crushing them. And I'll never forget the smirk on his face. It was just like, he enjoyed my frustration. And I was like, bro, like I, I met you. I, you said you needed help. I'm helping you. And then once again, you gotta remember, the white man has no loyalty. <laughs> And he has no appreciation because think about even slavery. You had a loyal slave, man. Why would you so mean to him? <laughs> the motherfucker was doing everything. The loyal slave, you still didn't respect. So they have no concept of that. So after a couple more months, uh, the final straw was like uh, some meeting. And it was an issue I was dealing with that had to do with something that I tried to take care of. But they wouldn't let me take care of it. And I never forget the text that I got from the guy the next day, the district manager, and where he basically accused me of like, you know, trying to duck some meeting. And I remember telling him like, why would you even address me like this? I said, have you not seen me in these meetings? This is my absolute, uh, that's where I shine. I absolutely shine in meetings. I'm assertive and I've always produced good questions and I lead and, and even help kind of coordinate and uh, temper uh, uh, the meetings when they become hostile I encourage others to become involved so why would I duck a fucking meeting and I just remember him just he couldn't believe how I was talking to him that I just wasn't begging him and I'm like yo these people this is the only context in which they will ever deal with me and at that point after 10 years of trying with these people I didn't need 30 more years of this I said these people will only deal with you in one context you can get a job and you can make money Very, I'm saying it's very easy but it's possible but 
they will not deal with you from this. You're going, like, I know who I am. Um, what do you need me to do? What is the, you know, like, lay out the, the metrics, the time frame, the deadline. <laughs> if I meet this, what do you have for me? That mentality is, from at least me, and I, I just, I've never seen it accepted. And when I think over the years of all the white uh, bosses that I've had in certain fields, it was always the same thing. Uh, I remember the guy was named Lupo, and he told me one day, I'm trying to make you this, but he said, you just can't do what you want. And I was like, I'm the manager. I don't do what I want, but I, I make assertive decisions. Like, you know, um, check some of my old podcasts for some good stories, but I digress. What I wanted you to understand is that the frustration of trying to negotiate with these people and not understanding what that white rage was. See, I thought the white rage was the frustration of not understanding uh, their own problems, but also black people. But it was more of the black person who was determined to get what they deserve. That is something that is just so struck down. And I, when I think about even the times I was stopped by the police when I was young, I was so naive and stupid to think that telling them who I was and presenting myself in the manner in which I am would actually help me. And, and I realized they always would give me a ticket, never gave me a break, always would try to take my pride. Everything was to just hurt me and steal from me. And I'm like, wow, these people are absolute devils. So now, the last point I want to make, guys, today, white rage is fucking serious. These people are demonic. They're going to do more demonic things in these coming weeks and months and years because this is the fall of their Babylon. It's over for them, and this is going to be taken care of, taken care of spiritually beyond anything you have to do so i will say protect your life viciously against these people because they are absolute savages but when you uh, do not harness too much energy into it put more energy into your production your peace your manifestation and watch these people self-destruct watch them self-destruct because we are in a biblical time in terms of their destruction and they're going to do what they've always done, try to intimidate you with, with, with their weapons. That's what they're going to do. But, but you have a bigger weapon, and that's your spirit. Your spirit is what they're scared of. Your unity is what they're terrified of. Your spirit is what they're scared of, and your unity is what they're terrified of. Because they are the, the minority, and they're very weak. They're weak mentally, and they're weak spiritually. So, guys... The last warning I have for you in today's times, when it comes to white rage, which you're going to start seeing more and more of daily, they're going to try to hang more people and shoot people and kill and kill and kill and kill and kill because killing is all they know. They don't know how to listen, to negotiate, to understand. It's not in them. So with that being said, you must beware of the compliant black people. And these times, the swirlers, the coons, all of those black people that will religiously try to tell you that they're, they're not all bad and all that, nobody's saying they're all bad. But you, until you can produce the document, <laughs> or give us a scanning tool that can read just like muhammad ali said if there's 90 of you guys yeah 10 of you are probably good or 100 people yeah 10 of you are probably good but 
I'm not going to try to figure out who the who the good ten is. Oh, I'd rather. <laughs> I'm just going to be cautious of everybody, and this is what I tell black people to do. So any white, excuse me, uh, any black person telling you to not be cautious. Listen, nobody's saying anybody wants to hurt white people. They want to hurt us, and they've proven that. <laughs> what I'm saying is, you need to start learning your history, becoming self-reliant, and just generally staying away from them and those who want to bring you closer to them are bringing you closer to your doom this is why we're in the position we're in now we were not in this condition in the 50s and 60s we were still under it's a family as a family even under those horrible conditions how could we have a better situation as family so guys white rage it's real it will probably never be spoken of um i would advise you don't even have conversations with white people about this um, if they bring it up, just say, have a good day, sir. Um, study, figure out what's going on. Read people's eyes when you see them. If you squint your eyes, you can usually see the spirit. Uh, so squinting your eyes at some of these people, you'll be able to see how, if they're a devil or not. And I would advise you to keep something on you, man. Keep a weapon on you. Um, and not illegal, but just something, you know, uh, some sort of weapon to defend yourself because these people are going into self-destruct mode very soon. They do not have the spirit of resilience that we have. They cannot stand, like, I laugh when I think about a white man living in my, my skin, he probably maybe about seven, I might give a, a, a strong white person 68 days, 70 days before they fucking jump off a roof. <laughs> so mind you, they don't have the spirit that we have and they don't have the resiliency that we have and they're going to self-destruct. Um, Anybody who calls me a racist or anybody, anybody who calls you a racist for just saying, I, I just want to get away from these devils, don't even respond. It's not worth it because I guarantee you they won't address any of the things that you said. They'll just focus on you wanting to separate yourself. Um, and I would like to remind you that, you know, if you don't go to school, they'll call you stupid. If you, if you go to school, they'll say you got there because of affirmative action. So there is no winning with people that are filled with this type of rage and insecurity. Um, the reason why you were excluded from things and what they're really scared of is inclusion. What they're really scared of is fair competition because they're not the best at anything, to be honest with you, including including academics. They're not the best at anything and they will be royally destroyed, royally destroyed. And they are being destroyed as things become more even. That's why you see the numbers. Mind you, black people were not allowed to get education. And the numbers of blacks in college and, and, and getting those degrees, it's insane comparatively. Under these conditions, some of the worlds we come from, thinking how my mother and grandmother got me and my sister to college, amazing. So guys, white rage, you're about to see a lot of it. I would say very be very cautious of these people. Mind you, all whites are not that lineage, Like, but there's a, I, I can't tell you the difference. So I would just be cautious of them. And remember, man, the truth hurts. everybody thanks for listening to the podcast uh we really appreciate it here i just want to set an email address for you guys in case you want to get in contact with any comments suggestions feedback positive or negative anything that's not gross or disrespectful is more than welcome here at the podcast because we just want to push progress and think forward that email address is podcast at gmail.com once again podcast 
at gmail.com. Once again, that's T-T-H-B-L-K podcast at gmail.com. Basically, it's the truth hurts, but lies kills uh, podcast, and it's just abbreviated. So the whole title of the podcast is abbreviated, uh, put into six different letters, followed by the word podcast as one long word, right? T-T-H-B-L-K podcast at gmail.com. Please get in contact. Don't hesitate. Anything you can think of, suggestions, other podcasts, anything that you feel is relevant, trust me, we will look at it, we will engage, and uh, we will push the agenda forward. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you.